G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. Good everyone. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the big one, the grand final preview edition and uh, two teams, one cup to play for. 207 games in an AFL season. We're on the cusp of the 207th. Richmond taking on GWS, not the grand final matchup. Many of us were expecting, but there is the beauty of football and how it throws up unexpected twists and turns. And so we have the Tigers trying to win their second flag in three years and, uh, I guess, validate what has been a magnificent three-season period for them. And GWS attempting to win their first in their eighth year of AFL football. It's an intriguing storyline and we're all excited about it as I say very good morning to my co-host Mark Fine. How are you finding? I'm well and it is not the grand final we expected uh, over the last few weeks but you know what with Richmond being the dominant team over the last few years and GWS really being built to succeed around this time I guess there is in both camps a sense of a right to succeed on grand final day. They both would feel that it's their time. Uh, yes, they would. Yeah, they would. That's a, that's a good point. I, I've got to say, I feel a bit different about this one to usual. I mean, it is the eighth grand final in a row where we have a Victorian side against a non-Victorian side. But um, GWS feel different to me than other non-Victorian sides for obvious reasons. They're a you know, they're a relatively new construct. They don't come from a traditional uh football area. So uh I mean that's a first, isn't it? And that gives it a slightly different feel. I think they for a lot of football supporters, I, I don't know, am I speaking personally or on behalf of others, I'd like to think that a lot of football supporters have come around in their way of thinking about GWS. Yes, initially they were bestowed such a wonderful opportunity to be a top team through the number of top 10 draft picks and other concessions that there was resentment towards them. But I think that they have been cherry-picked by AFL clubs since their inception withstood that and now have a team that can be somewhat admired when you think of Sam Reid, Lockie Keefe, Heath Shaw and others who've taken the path, the path less obvious into a grand final. I, I like them. I liked, I like what they now stand for, which is even with Shane Mumford out of the game for a year back, they're not now... They're not no longer sort of silver tails, in my opinion. No, that's true, and we've t- we've spoken about that a fair bit this year. So you've got that element to it, and I also think to get sort of neutral people on board, you need a, a bit of a, uh, a storyline behind it. And I think their progress through the final series has been very, very worthy. I mean, in some ways, to me, it's reminiscent of what the Western Bulldogs did in. 2016. I, don't, I mean, they've won three finals to get there, which is a good achievement in itself. But the last two of them have been 
on the road. So uh, you can't underestimate that uh, in terms of achievement. Yeah. As far as the traditional underdog getting the bulk of the neutral support, do you think we will have that sense on grand final day? Richmond are a polarising team, I think. They're not the sort of side like a Bulldogs that would have plenty of support even if they were playing in GWS. I think Richmond, you either barrack for them or you don't almost. Uh, a bit like that, yeah. I, I think there'll still be a few um, people who will probably lean towards Richmond because they, they still have that idea of GWS as an AFL yep. construct and whatever. But yeah, I, I think they will have won over most of the neutrals. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I wonder if they're still... Among neutrals, any sympathy for the Tigers like there was two years ago? Has that all completely evaporated? Oh, gone, surely. And <laughs> I don't think it's been... I don't think it ever evaporated because of hubris. I, I, you do? Uh, I, I think they've taken their... Not, not, not the club. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> fans, but fans tend to do that. After, when you win one grand final after a long break, we've seen with Geelong and... See, I, I th- always thought Geelong. I never got. The, I never detected any hubris among Geelong supporters. I was. I was saying uh, after the first grand final, I don't think there is hubris amongst the supporters. I think it's relief. It's elation. It's oh, you know. I thought I'd never see this. My father just survived in time, or he didn't make it. It's stories of almost personal family um, triumph. It's a moment to savour. What happens, though, then, if the team consolidates that form over the next couple of years, the fans tend to get a bit cocky, a bit of a, a um, born, we're now born to succeed, we are the best, and what used to be desperate phone calls to talk back now speaks of, um, oh yeah, look, we, oh, we'll win this year. I think in 21 and 22, we should be able to, you know, they talk about the sort of eras that St. George had in the NRL. <laughs> yeah, it was 11 in a row, wasn't it? That's funny. You know what? <laughs> You'll love this. I don't know why. I can't even remember why, but I was watching highlights of the 1971 NRL, uh, uh, what was it called then? NRL grand final between uh, St. George and South Sydney. And uh, South Sydney were going for their second in a row, and they spoke. Uh, St. George had won the 11 in a row, but it was the first time they were back in the grand final since then, and they lost. What was it called? Because it's, uh, isn't NRL the National Rugby League? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Was um, it the US NSWRL? Or? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it was. Um, anyway, complete. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of the first. Uh, digression of the show um we've got some sponsors to plug so let's do that well there's no need to sing praises of in terms of quality for andrews hamburgers surely 80 years in the same venue selling a product that has got a reputation of being the standard bearer of a good aussie burger is enough no business lasts 80 years making pretty much the same product without doing it well. Well, there's been several pilgrimages to the store. See, because you still refuse to embrace social media, you're unaware of this. And on that point, I ticked, I corrected my wife this morning in bed, nothing nothing saucy here, and she was very offended because she said to me a similar thing that my lack of embracing uh, social media and other things have counted against me and will continue to do so. And she called me a troglodyte. And I said, what's a troglodyte? And she said, somebody that doesn't embrace technology. I said, no, that's a Luddite. 
what is a troglodyte? And she says, I, she said, I don't know. And I demanded an answer. And she had to um, look up and find out it was a cave dweller. But I'm a Luddite, aren't I? Yes. Thank you. You're several other things too, but you're definitely yeah. a Luddite. Yeah, um, thank, any, thank you. Anyway, um, so we've had uh, our previous prize winner, in fact, our very first prize winner, I think, uh, Jared Zockling, who lives up in the uh, top end. He's down here for an art show. and um, Is he an artist? I think so. Um, anyway, he tweeted me yesterday with a, a picture of himself uh, at Andrews uh, munching into a hamburger, and he was... The the sort of childish sense of excitement was palpable, so I, I read he wasn't disappointed. I read no, no, he wasn't. He was wrapped, and I've got I've got to say, Jared, you do bear an uncanny resemblance to Kyle Sandilands, which you can probably get away with here, fortunately. Um, anyway, thanks for that, and uh, also Jeremy. Uh, I've just got your surname, Jeremy, but Jeremy is down here, I think, from Sydney, and he also tweeted a picture of himself at Andrew. So well done, guys, and. Uh, I'm sure the boys at Andrews gave you two of your finest. Anyway, they are the best burgers in the land. Uh, no, in the universe. And you know what? If if um, Jared Zockling and Jeremy, named to be confirmed, want to stay in Melbourne and live in Melbourne and have the uh, wherewithal, surely they would seek to get a house built by Nick Bartels and Hardwick Bill. Well, who else would you even consider? I, um, let me think. You could no. I wouldn't use them or them or that. No. Yes, I've considered all options, and I lob once again with one choice. Hardwick is the website. Go to hardwick.com.au. But it's Nick Spartels and Hardwick Bilco for all your home build requirements. And many apologies. It's not Jeremy. It's Justin. Justin Randalls, and uh, he was. I'm not sure where Justin was here from, but uh, there's Justin. Great. Uh, enjoying his, and uh, here is Jared Zockling. That's great radio. His. He looks like Kyle Sandilands. He does look like Kyle Sandilands. Oh, great. So, anyway, That's well done, now. boys. Uh, all right, there's our plugs out of the way. They've been magnificent sponsors for us this year, so thanks again, guys. Much appreciated. We've got plenty on the menu. Let's get into it. On Footyology, News Feed. All right, well, plenty of uh, news around on the grand final selection front, uh, injury issues and players to consider at both clubs. And um, we've got sort of one half of those questions resolved in. We know basically who's going to be out, but we don't necessarily know who's going to be in. Now, the two guys who were most in doubt um, and uh, both out, sadly for them and sadly for the game, uh, Poor Jack Graham at Richmond, who um, courageously played on with that bung shoulder in the preliminary final win over Geelong. And, of course, for the Giants, Stephen Cornelio, who has missed, I think, 10 or 11 weeks with a knee injury uh, sustained against Richmond, I think, in that MCG game. Mm. Um, and you're right. one ruled out by the Medicos, that was Jack Graham, and one ruled himself out, which is a pretty selfless sort of act by Cornelio, uh, reminiscent of uh, Simon Prestigiacomo, did that for the Magpies back in 2010. Graham, um, remember, of course, he came into their premiership side. I think the grand final win was only like his fifth game of league footy. Came in very late in the piece. Um, doesn't, yeah, you know, I guess it might sort of square off the luck front, the fact that he's not there this time. Cornelio, I thought they probably would 
take the gamble, but um, you know they're uh, full of praise for him in sort of having the, I guess, selflessness to sort of say, I'm not right, I can't give 100%. Many players probably would have tried to get away with it, and we've seen plenty of players going uh, well under 100% fit before, but um, it has the potential to be an inspiring deed for the Giants, doesn't it? I was in your court. Yes, it does, and they're already trying to tap into that selflessness in their build-up to the game. I was in your court. I thought of all the uh, potential, especially GWS, with Davis, Whitfield and Canilio. Given that Canilio, they said, trained well on Monday, I thought, well, he's most likely to play because he's probably over the after-effects of the PCL and it's now a matter of match fitness for him. And they would take the risk, as he himself seemed very positive on Monday. Did he feel something afterwards? It must be something structurally in the knee, because I don't think he ruled himself out because he felt he wasn't fit enough to play. Mm. So he must have felt something in the knee, with which is in and of itself a concern, given that he was back doing full trading post an operation. Yeah, it's such a tough call, isn't it? I mean, particularly for the guy himself. And speaking about players going in less than 100%, and I'm not by any means suggesting here um, that this guy was selfish in doing this because the guy I'm about to mention is as selfless as they come. But I'll never forget uh, North Melbourne in 1999, Anthony Stevens had a crook ankle and he basically limped onto the ground through the run-through. I remember looking at him thinking, this guy's not right. But he he got through the game and I think did okay. So the question that's going to arise is Whitfield is likely to play? Yeah, no, he's he's as good as playing. Correct. But there is definitely going to be some some residual discomfort needs to be maybe um, medicated or steps taken to protect... After his appendis, appendicitis operation. Yeah. Now, or the removal of his appendix. Is he fair game? No. And I, I think they've already... No. I, I think I've already read something about this, actually. No, he's not fair game, is he? What part of his body can't we tackle? Oh, well, I mean, that's... You, you can't. Can you imagine... Look, it's different if someone injures an arm or a... A shoulder or something, isn't it? Can you imagine these guys sort of running past and prodding him in their yeah, lower pr- right prodding, abdomen? But I'll <laughs> tell you this, even though Richmond doesn't have the player, imagine if Mumford was playing against him. Yeah. Accidentally on purpose, falling on him at every opportunity. Oh, well, that's going to happen, isn't it? Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Yeah, no, the umpires aren't going to sort of zero in and say, don't touch him in the lower right abdomen. I mean, that would that would be pretty silly. Um Especially as they take out their anatomy books and just check yeah, exactly where oh, the man, appendix is. How far do you want to take it? Um, no, I don't, I don't think that'll be an issue. Um, so, selection issues, or no, we should cover off in, that, in, the, uh, in team, our match preview talk. section. Okay. So, we'll do that. Yes. So, we've got two big sort of injury stories. Fortunately, this week, no suspension type stories. Um, all right, another thing making news another chapter in the Willie Rioli. Uh, saga with a um, second test coming back and um, testing positive for cannabis. Okay, I cannot understand the chronology of all of this. Uh, Am I reading this back to front? This was a second test taken after their elimination final win over Essendon. So it was after the initial test, which he tried to falsify. So the first test was in August? August 20. Yes. 
uh, and that was at a training session. Okay. And the second test was uh, early September. September, yeah. Okay. I don't so know two how weeks long. Later. I don't know how long cannabis. Oh, I think it can stay in your bloodstream for some time. Okay. Yeah. Which is problematic, and and but, I mean, obviously, first of all. Is that why he panicked for the first test? I th- why I'm pre- I would presume so. Yes, he didn't realise that cannabis is not considered a performance enhancing drug. Um, Could be dealt with under on the match priest. Da- on match day. It's not on any day. It's not no on any day. It's not. Yeah, but but it's. I think unless I'm reading this wrong, I think um, it's still on the prohibited. Yeah, it, is, it is on the prohibited, but to be handled individually by each sporting body, um, unlike. WADA taking control over banned substances yeah, yeah. and performance enhancing. In other words, yeah. he just would have got away with one of these strikes. Uh, yes. We, which is, uh, did anyone else think, how come we're, we're now privy to the details of him failing that test and for cannabis when anyone else that fails one, we're not? Yeah. Interesting. Did, well, did that occur to you? Like, that's, No, it didn't, but you're 100% correct. No one else gets... In for so why is he been? Because he because failed the, the first previous, one. Yeah, well, that's sorry, excuse the French, but that's shit house. Yeah, I mean yep. that really is. You know, okay, he failed the first test and he's in enormous trouble for that. But does that mean he just sort of always, you know, civil liberties and rights are just thrown out the window to hang him out to dry? The only thing I could think is: Are you allowed to? Is the choice of keeping the result of a f- positive for cannabis is that the choice? Do you have the choice as the club or the player or whatever in concert with the player to keep that quiet? Because actually, I believe the fact that he's co- it's come out that he's tested positive for cannabis acts in his favour. Certainly in the court of public opinion it does. Well, they should say that then. I mean, look at this. We're, we, you know, Look how many different possibilities there are here. There's no need for this sort of sense of confusion and mystery about it. Give us the bloody details. Who is releasing that information? No, it's a very plausible explanation. And we now have a further complex situation, potentially, albeit a funny aside, that if a player tests positive for cannabis in the future, and he says that he did it in Canberra, where it's about to be made legal, ah. does that... Does that mean? Well, hang on, I'm I was um, uh, imbibing a legal substance. That's yeah, not but performance it, enhancing. Stick it up your jumper. Yeah, but it'd still be. I mean, well, but the problem with the ACT rule is that they have conceded that the federal government and the federal police can still charge you. Have, did you hear about that, by the way? The kerfuffle about that. So the federal police minister or whatever contacts the ACT government and says, "You know what?" In an official letter, you know what, we would not prosecute any case that falls under your um, limitations of legality for cannabis use in Canberra. In other words, if the person is following the Canberra rules, we won't prosecute. 24 hours later, that same minister, a female, I can't remember her name, sends a letter saying... The health minister. Is it the health minister? What, the federal health minister? It's Susan Lai, isn't it? Somebody sent a letter, an authority... And a day later, 24 hours later, I send another letter saying, uh, we've reconsidered our position and are no longer willing to concede that the federal police would, in fact, not prosecute. Somebody's got into their ear and yeah. said, hang on, don't commit to that. Well, maybe uh, maybe in, in terms of an AFL player, you'll be okay if you smoke grass in Canberra and then get tested as long as you've bought a huge stash of porn 
also from Fishwick. Yeah, that's no longer the case. <laughs> I know. I just and the Canberra it. rules are quite clear. It's it's a funny law because it almost says you can smoke cannabis if you grow it yourself. You're allowed to oh, yeah. plants. Yeah, yeah. But then it's pointed out the Greens. This is very, it's worth mentioning. The Greens tried to pass a law saying you could get have hydroponics in your house, and that was knocked back. So you can only really grow cannabis outdoors, which in Canberra is impossible apparently for eight months of the year. Because of the climate. Yeah, it's very hard to grow it successfully outdoors. So it's like, well, you can grow your own, make your own cannabis, but it's going to be shit house. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, so anyway, the Willie Rioli soap opera uh, drags on. I sounded like a pothead then. Did, pothead. You did. You, you're, you're... I do not smoke marijuana. I simply um, don't like it. Yes, I've inhaled. Yeah, I have. I've smoked shitloads of it. I don't like it. Not for a long time. I really don't like it. It Uh, makes me dizzy. I did, but yeah, I I don't. Actually, last time I did was in Amsterdam, and it, because I hadn't had any for years and years, it blew my absolute head off. I had Hashley in Amsterdam when I was younger, and we went to Indian that had bench seating. Yeah. And three times I fell off the bench and accused the owners of having angled angled benches. I did. I said, what? the benches are angled. And I kept rolling off it. Well, I'll never forget, uh, we bought some in Amsterdam and we're smoking it right out in the middle of a city at some cafe. We had a great, Bulldog. We had a great night. The Bulldog Cafe, is that still there? Oh, I can't remember. Or oh, the Milky Way, they were the two big ones. Uh, yep. Anyway, I was off my chops. I don't remember. Anyway, I remember walking home, and it was like a scene from one of those movies where the main participant is drugged and the camera is oh. doing all weird things. And we're walking down these little narrow streets, and people are walking towards me. And it was classic. It was like something out of a movie. And so I'm, everything's moving around, and then this guy comes, walks straight at me, and yeah. he looks, gets up right up next yeah. to my face. He goes. You were right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and then everywhere in Amsterdam, the, the, we were staying in the third story of this house and uh, the staircases were so ridiculously steep. I fed him felt like I was climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, well, that was like me to... on the bench. You lose those perspectives. <laughs> I, you know, I got a T-shirt afterwards, Amsterdamaged. Yeah, yeah. Don't wear that through customs anywhere. Yeah, no, no. Um, anyway, well, there's some amusing tales about our previous uh, drug use. And uh, don't try that at home, kids. Try uh, it in Amsterdam. Uh, try it in Amsterdam where it's legal. Uh, all right, another interesting story. What about the um, Gil McLaughlin throwing up the possibility of the goal reviews after, of course, that controversial one on Saturday being similar like to the cricket and captain's calls? That's so good. Jared Geary plays in the back line. He's like a million miles away. He has to run down after there's a turnover and get advice from, like, the once and killed a player that was under siege from three opponents. What do you reckon? I don't know. <laughs> I can't help you. It's not like cricket. In cricket, in cricket, everybody's around there and immediate. You ask the wicket keeper or whatever. The goal oh, reviews. And there's a pause in play. I mean, of course. I'm, this isn't just the time. I'm just talking about the mechanics. There are times when there are no players in any position to make that call. Yeah. None I'm, whatsoever. No, it, it doesn't. It just it adds a whole new unwanted dimension to it. What, if the, what if the captain's on the interchange? Yeah. It's, it's, Bring him on. It's practically impossible. Yeah. And, and what about you know the one where they think they've scored a goal and it's ruled a point? The... Um, Defending team will be preparing to kick in. I mean, it just. Well, how about when it doesn't cross the line at all and they've run off? The, you know, the goal umpire says it's a 
no score at all, and the game's just rolling on. And the umpires and the captain's putting his hand up. We appeal! They don't really want to appeal. They just want to stop them running on. I, I just wish... They could, that could happen, couldn't it? Yeah. I, I just wish Gil would take the extra half second sometimes just to stop and go, well, no, no, we yeah. couldn't do that, yeah, rather right. than actually just say it, because then, yeah, anyway. Um, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Nice yep. try, but it doesn't work. No. Uh, what else have we got? Come um, on. You're avoiding it. The second on the list, but you're avoiding it. What's that? Oh, Paddy Ryder. For Ryder. the first time ever, somebody's chosen St Kilda Rover resident. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that was odd, wasn't it? Did you reckon he's been waiting up a few years to send another, you know, because he left Essendon in not all that pleasant, to, under circumstances, not all that pleasant. Yeah. Um, oh, I went back there. I don't like them. I don't like the yeah. feel of the club. Well, I don't know how you work that out from a, you know, sort of 30-minute visit to a club. No, they didn't feel good, mate. St Kilda felt great. Yeah, the vibe was great. Yeah. What, what was going on at There's St Kilda? There's no one at St Kilda. In, in, oh, no, they're all the post-season. <laughs> <laughs> People were winning on the pokies. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is pretty strange. Well, my my mail, and it's not necessarily good mail, but I, I'm not sure that the uh, his prospective teammates were that enamoured with the prospect of him coming back. I think that's the feeling he got. Yeah, well, might have been the right feeling. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, isn't it? I wonder if that's coming largely from the other guys who were involved in the uh, the saga yeah. and they felt that maybe he bailed and he was using yeah, other, yeah. other excuses. I, for... would think, I would think that a lot of people that are still involved at the club that just put up, shut up and got on with playing football might not have appreciated his public... Um, you know, his public damnation of the situation and then, you know, scampering to another club. Oh, there was definitely a feeling that he used the, the that fear about out his there. kids as, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that that's that's a bow that Essendon players might want to draw, but I would never do that. You know, you know, as a parent, there are different, there are varying emotions, but one emotion is always strong in all parents, and that is, any any health risk or any any concerns about their health is taken seriously. Mm. I mean, how many times as a parent were you worried about the the latest report on peanut butter or the toy that breaks off and can kill them? You know, you really you're alert to these things. So I would not grandstand his concerns for his children. I don't know. The latest one for me is the dangers of hangovers in seventeen year old boys. Oh, once they grow up, the dangers are for the parents. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, embarrassment, uh, embarrassment by proxy. Yeah, um, you can't come into this pub. Why not? Are you ex name deleted fines father? Yes. Well, until that person pays for the damage, you're not welcome in this pub. Yeah, no, mine's not that bad. Um, so, Ryder, uh, you're happy about that from a St Kilda perspective? Yeah, St Kilda have clearly. I wonder how much he's got left in him. Hopefully, two years, because the plan is. They believe they'll get Ben King in a couple of years, and that is our, well, the club's bridging finance. St Kilda will move Josh Bruce on to get Zach Jones, and one of the reasons they're going to do that, you're not sure about that? Oh, I just, I don't, I'm surprised. I, I just, I wouldn't be offloading Josh Bruce. Oh, well, St Kilda has to go with it. Bruce and Membry have been great, do you agree? Uh, yeah. But the St Kilda hasn't made the finals for years, and, and that combination just... Yeah, but it's not because of the, the forward line. No, but you need. Yes, it is. 
It's part of it. That's the whole team. It's the structure. I'd, I'd St Kilda's going mo- a different way this year. Well, I'd say it's mostly because of the midfield. St Kilda's going a different way. Well, well they're trying to bolster the midfield. Yeah, I know, by getting rid of a bit the works. No, they'll keep Membry. They'll play Max King and Rowan Marshall yeah. and Ryder up forward. They're just, trying that method. I just reckon a lot of those trading strategies get ahead of themselves where, and you end up with this ridiculous um, sort of situation where some you know analyst or, or draft student says... Yeah, they need to get rid of Nat Fife so they can pick up, you know, four um, third-round selections in the 2023 draft. That's crazy talk. Well, you've, uh, it happens, doesn't it? It does. But not, not um, at St Kilda. All right, uh, just quickly, I yes. mentioned Nat Fife. Um, let should mention Joe Danaher because he has apparently clearly not said that he wants to go to Sydney. Hang on, has clearly said... Yeah, he's indicated he wants to go to Sydney. That is the scuttlebutt. Yeah, I'm not sure that scuttlebutt's right. Um, You're like a caller I heard on radio yesterday. He was It was the funniest call I've ever heard. Honestly, he goes, look, I am in a sanctum at, at uh, Essendon. I'm not saying that. Listen to this, I want to tell you this call. I'm in a sanctum at Essendon. Oh, God, I think I know who it probably was. <laughs> no, yeah. this is great. It was a great call. He goes, it doesn't matter. First of all, I want to say this. Uh, Danaher, that stuff about him not being happy with the medical staff, that's not true. Not true. Next thing, him going to Sydney, I wouldn't be so sure. I think that's just media speculation. I'd be pretty confident that he's actually not requested to go to Sydney. But if he does go to Sydney, I think he's worth, that's what he said, two first-round picks and a future second-round pick. (laughs) And the person hosting that said, well, that's probably more than they'll get for him. He goes, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Dylan Seale, we gave two first-round picks for him. And his knee was completely bung. He was, he was, he was physically, he was gone. I don't quite remember that. Um, and he goes, and Danaher, when he's right, he's look, he missed a few games this year. That's all. And when he's right, he's probably the number one player in the competition. And I just thought every time this guy opens his mouth, he's turning Danaher into some <laughs> two first round. He goes, he's probably the number one player in the comp when he's right, and he only missed a few games this year. Yeah, well, that's rubbish. <laughs> it's the Essendon uh, view. They would tally with the person I think it is. Um, <laughs> I, no, well, the I'm, person said him and his son were that he was a, in a coat, you know, in the inner sanctum. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And his son also is yeah. very close with a few of the players. Yeah, no, there's a lot of people like that are listening. Uh, I'm not claiming to be on the inner sanctum at all, um, but uh yeah i i don't know i i just i do get the impression that the the fervor about it is more than the reality um and that's not so that's not to say he he's definitely staying but i don't think he's definitely going strong suggestion Pepley's going to north um they've got the money and they've offered him a big cash deal yeah geez that'd be a bad loss for the swans brad crouch to the suns possibly uh well uh also brandon ellis possibly yeah, His last game for Richmond might be a winning grand final. Yeah, there are a few players, sons bound. Interesting. Well, I guess that's what they need. And quickly, um, yes. so we do should acknowledge in a new sense, of course, we've had the Brownlow medal and we now have a, um, is it a 15th or a 16th uh, dual, dual winner yep. uh, in that five with 33 votes, nine best on grounds, mm. polled in 11 games. Um, when, actually, here's a. I went through the notes last night because I just had this thing in my head. Gee, the the winners' vote tallies seem to be going up, 
And that is indeed true. The votes um, in four of the last five Brownlows, um, the winner has polled 31 votes or more. Um, going back to five in 2015, he polled 31 then. Um, prior to those in that group of five, prior to that, the last winner to poll more than 31 votes was Robert Harvey in 1998. Mm-hmm. So we've had a period of, you know, a good sort of 15 years where the winners polled sort of high 20s, 30 at tops. And then in the last five years, you've had Fife win with 31 and 33, and you've had Dangerfield win with 36 and or 35, I think, and Martin win with 36. So what does that mean? I'm, I'm just trying to sort of think, does that... Uh, are the umpires more sort of midfielder conscious now? Is that a reflection have on a look, possession tallies going up? Have a look at the year that they were allowed to start to look at statistics after the game and you'll see a spike. Well, I'm hearing now that they don't. I, I, I reckon there no, was a period they where they... look d- up the scoreboard now. It's constantly on the bloody oh, scoreboard. Oh, yeah, no, true. That's true. Know, that's, it's constantly been... It's constantly on the board. Um, just on five, fits the per- formula perfectly. And that is team won just enough games, I guess. Eight or more is my call. A midfielder, but most importantly, plays for a team where other midfielders just do not get votes. Who else in their midfield could get votes? Yeah, but I see. I reckon that profile has changed. I mean, that's that's another way. He was he's only the third winner. Uh, in 20 years, so since Shane Crawford in 99 to come from a non-final side. So that sort of breaks the mould. I mean, when Judd won it for Carlton, boy, was that a case of... They were in the finals. I'm saying, but was that a case of no other midfielders to get votes in that team at that time? Prittis, oh, goodness. that You know, that's why he was a lock, yeah, really. Yeah, M- Mitchell certainly last year. Mitchell fits that bill. So I'm not... Down on these players. Fife's a champ. He's a champ. Yeah. And an interesting cat. But we need a better system. We honestly do. A a system that suggests that, I mean, how important is Dylan Grimes? I would say he would almost be the, if there was one out Richmond did not want on grand final day, I'd say it's Grimes. Mm. Maybe Martin, then Grimes, but Grimes, he, he, he can't get a vote. Last defender to win the Brownlow? Fred Goltz. No, no, last defender, Gavin Wanganoo. Yeah. yeah. 93. Yeah. So and, 26 and years ago. It's not happening again. It's not fair. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. Um, well, okay. I'll, I'll say this. Their vote their vote getting ability makes the whole, whole system a joke. But they can't get even a vote, a defender. You know, I'm not saying they should win it, but they can't get a vote. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. There's our uh, news, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A a treasure trove of news in grand final week. A treasure trove of uh, media observations as well. Let's get into them. On Footyology, Media Watch. All right, well, uh, we just were talking about the Brownlow, so let's talk about the media coverage of the Brownlow medal. Finey, um, I actually, for the first time in a long time, I had to actually miss the finish of the count on TV because I had to get to uh, RSN to do my 
hour on the late show with Kevin Hillier. So I was listening to it. Yes. And uh, I was listening to our former radio station's coverage of it, which we used to do, of course. Yes. Uh, yes, we did. I remember that. Yes. Also. Well, that was interesting. I be- enjoyed it. Because once they declared Nat Fife the winner and couldn't be beaten, um, they just went to an ad break rather than take the uh, voting for the last two yeah, rounds. No, yeah, of course. <laughs> Commercial considerations. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting. Um, so the hosts of that coverage were uh, Sam Hargraves and Darren Parkin. Um, so I like Parker. Yeah, I like Parker. And I don't know him. Sam. I'm not saying I don't like him. I don't know him. Well, I think you were by... Uh, no, you weren't saying that. No, no I, I don't know him. I've no, no, I him. don't know him either. I don't know him either. Um, so... I, Yes, continue on the brown line. All right, so TV coverage, uh, what do we make of that? Well, here's one observation. This isn't a pot shot at Channel 7, um, but I, I do think if you had a – if for some reason you taped a brown line medal like 20 years ago or even 10 years ago and, and played a, a sort of counting of a typical round and then had to listen to it on Monday night, it's like they're on – speed or something they have sped up the reading out of the votes like twofold and i don't like that i I like having a little bit of time to stop and think oh yeah well that game shouldn't he have got votes or why did he get best on ground in that and you you simply don't have time to stop and consider that because it goes too quickly you have to do it either post count or not at all and by the time the count's over it's sort of like well what's the point you know he's won anyway um so I I think that yes, this is a, a a show which is supposed to appeal to a broader section of the community, i.e., the focus on fashion and wags and and that sort of stuff. But well, I, I think, but I still hang on. Yes. Wait, I still reckon that if you're only casually interested in footy, there's not that greater chance you're going to be watching the actual count. You might watch the fashion wag stuff, but you won't watch the count. So why not? cater more to the footy heads with the count, take more time over the votes, and just give yourself enough time so that you can put up some sort of comparisons. Put up the leading possession getters from each game as the votes are being read out. I think that would actually be of interest to people who go, oh, the reading of the votes is so boring. Well, it is if you're just flying through them and you can't stop and discuss any of it. Isn't that a fair point? Yes, I, I, I think so. And it's almost uncomfortable to hear... Gill racing through votes that aren't important, pausing. Uh, I'm so oh, the over dramatic it. pause. The yeah. pause, you know, when when Carlton gets a two votes in a game they lost. Carlton, S. Walsh, you know, so if Cripps is, you know, it's just so. Just <laughs> what a, what about it. when it's a player with the same Christian name and he does it? So then he, he says the initial. Oh, that's the And then they pause. go to an yeah. air break and come yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton, P. Porcinides. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think Phil actually P Phil follows me on Twitter. P Fidel. Uh, who would it have been for uh, uh, Freo? N. Fremantle. N. Body. That's no, nobody got votes there. Um, I'm going to desperately look up my list of former Freo players now. Oh, we'll get one with an L. N. N. Did Eagleton play for them at any point? No. No. Um, yeah, N's not that. Common, isn't it? Uh, come on, quickly. It's a oh. competition between the two of us. It's good. Uh, no, they must have a nick. I can't do it. No, we're not doing this um, on a podcast because it'll take five minutes. Uh, okay. Um, Neil Busy. Neil Pasenko. Um Okay, what a nick. 
Norman. Subin. N. Subin. <laughs> I got it. I won. Bastard. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? Oh, <laughs> substitute votes. Brown, N. Mate. Yeah, so I, I really think I would like to see more time taken over the votes and more analysis of, you know, gee, that's a, surprising you got votes for that game, blah, blah, blah. The in-count interviews with players are useless because they can't really yeah, say anything. Yeah. So I, I don't get the point of that. Um, some of the other stuff, someone said to me, why do they have Mark and Goal of the Year on the Brownlow night? Motti and Gotti. Um, eh? oh. <laughs> um, that doesn't worry me so much. I don't reckon that's a bad forum for it. Uh, although, I, you know, they're not, you only, they only named the three final contenders, don't they? Is that still being done by popular vote, by the way? Do we know? Yeah, because Boaty McBoatface ran second. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but is it seriously? I think so, yeah. Okay, well, did they get it right? No. Eddie Betts' goal wasn't the best goal. No, well, see, you agree with me. I thought Willie Rioli's was the best. Yeah, that was a beautiful goal. The two best balks I've ever seen yeah. in a phone box. Yes. Um, yeah, For no, a pothead. Oh, don't. Allegedly. Um, and, with Gatorade uh, when he gets thirsty. Allegedly. It wasn't uh, Mark of the Year. Were we happy with Mark of the Year? Liam Ryan. Yeah. wasn't one of the greatest. Uh, I've got a ridiculous Mark of the Year. I thought that marked by Lyons... Oh, in the, the second in, in the, the second week of the finals, yeah. that was so courageous. Well, it that's was from nowhere. Anything in the finals gets thrown. You know the most famous case of that. See, I mean, if we because of Luko, you well, if this was you're not a beauty. Yeah, if this was happening in 1970, the mark of the year wouldn't have been Alex Chisolinka. Yeah, and they reckon Ozzie Jones's goal in the '97 Grand oh, Final yeah. was the goal of the year, but that couldn't be considered. Well, another one, uh, 2007 mark of the year should have been Aaron Edwards for North Melbourne in the semi against yes, Hawthorne. Yes, Aaron Edwards, the flying Frankston fellow. Yes, uh, great grab. Yep, a Edwards. Uh, so, yeah, so in, in count, um, most of the segments and stuff were right. I thought the um, tribute to, you know, the players who have passed during the year was suitably moving. Yeah. I'd never heard of Conrad Saul, I've got to be honest. Uh, Gee, he's Colin, got a high-pitched voice, hasn't he? Colin Saul. You know, new Colin. Yeah, yeah. Well, very yeah. sad. Yeah, well, you know, Danny Frawley, very sad. Yeah, of course. Actually, hang on, Colin Sylvia was, oh, it was last year, but it was after, after the Brownlow, yeah. Um, and what, what, uh, did you have any particular likes or dislikes? Yeah, in the I, I really think in a time now post, what's that movement in America, you know, with, um, respect for women and. Me uh, too. Yeah. The me too movement. Yeah. I don't, I'm not comfortable with anymore with wags, you know, that, that. Um, wives and girlfriends, wags. Yeah, you know, oh, the, the expression or the this, whole... Yeah, the whole feasting on it. Are you happy with the concentration on the fashion? Oh, yeah, I guess if people are interested in it. It seems to be... Yeah, no, I know where you're coming from, because like, I've wondered from a... Wags, fa- I don't know, to me it seems a very derogatory... De- yeah. Sort of, de- at the AFLW Awards, do they have... What would it be? Um, Mags. No, pub. Uh, It'd be par bags. Hags. Par bags. No, it'd be hags. Husbands and girlfriends. Hags. Husbands and girlfriends. You're quite right. It would be. But I'm going... No, it'd be husbands and boyfriends. No, it could well be husbands and girlfriends. And and partners and girlfriends. And wives and girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Quite openly. Well, and... I say par bags, which is partners and boyfriends and girlfriends. Well, a bigger one will be at the Brownlow if we have... um, Yeah, hags. Husbands and girlfriends. Yeah. How about just... Incidentally... How about like, spags, sexual partners and girlfriends? Yeah, well, 
No, I, I think you've got a, a point there. It is a bit... It, it, funnily spags. Enough, I'm going spags. Funnily enough, though, like I, I follow plenty of, um, you know, sort of the more publicly identifiable feminists in the country, and I've never heard any of them sort of arc up a, about it, really. So maybe they don't think it's that big a deal. Incidentally, just on that, I mean, how great was that... Um, that uh, you know, when Aaron Phillips won the best, pl- the female football yep. Brownlow, and you had her partner there, and that was that was fantastic. Mark Robinson's column that followed it wasn't so fantastic. I remember? didn't read it. <laughs> well, he tried to do the right thing, and he was writing a piece about you know how this is a great moment for you know em- em- embracing um, you know uh, acceptance of sexual preference, blah blah blah. And, he, and then the second paragraph was, and let's be honest, I was pretty sexy. Everyone good on him. <laughs> that is a joke. When I said good on him, that was I was being uh, facetious. Um, all right. So, by the way. So you don't appear to have any strong opinions about the coverage. Do yes, you? I do have a strong opinion. voice it. I do have a strong opinion about the coverage. How could it be so basically the same for so long? Is there not one well, set of... the format's the same. There's, Put some fresh eyes over it and just come at it from a different angle. We don't need all the votes being read out. I, oh, I, I reckon you do. I don't. Well, how, how do you do it then? I reckon, I really believe after, um, after say, 15 or say 16 rounds, any games of with, that just are not involved with players in the top 10, we'll pick a point, they're shown on the screen but not read out. What about if there's a player who's poll bugger all and gets, you know, three, uh, five, three votes well, in a row? Well, somebody's just going to have to look at it, aren't they? Well, they are. Hopefully not the Armour Guard security Yeah, blokes. I'm saying, <laughs> but, but I think we can, towards the end, anymore. still show the votes on the screen. Yeah. Just put them up there. You don't need to hear them, to be honest. Well, people, I'm quite happy to see them. People are, <laughs> I love bringing this up, like younger people out there, until 1984... Ones. Yeah, they read all the Cools. one votes out and then all the two votes and all the three votes. You didn't know what game each vote was for. It was just like literally, well, how many one votes would there have been? Well, in today's competition, 198 one how votes. How about doing like this? For the first 15 rounds. That was a dramatic pause. Yeah, <laughs> or a swallow. Um, for the first 15 rounds, just put the nine games votes up on the screen so you can read them. All of Maybe even at once, and have a a panel of two or three experts. Well, that's interesting to see Cripps getting three votes yeah, in the first game. Yeah, which gets back to what I'm saying, yeah. And then maybe read out the votes for the last six rounds for the drama of the people sitting there. So for the first 16 rounds, you just see them. But, yeah. But we comment, but you get like, you know, um, Hutto or whoever just saying, well, that's now a game that we expected votes for. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the tallies. I think that works. Yeah, that has I don't merit. need to that see has merit. I don't has Roger, Zach. I don't need to see here one, two, threes. You know, and the giggling at the table when the person gets a vote and everybody has to drink. Hanbury got a vote, so everybody drank. Yeah, great. Yeah, they sort of run out of uh, you know funny looks to give the camera, don't they? Yeah, I like my system. I think that's quite clever. Why has not somebody done that? All right, well, if Channel 7 are listening, which I'm sure they're not, yep. um, they're probably uh, bunkered down looking for new and exciting uh, TV concepts like The Masked Singer, which, uh, you heard about that one? No, what's oh, Channel The Masked 10's got Singer? that. Oh, they've got some 
you know, list of sort How of How could you not watch B-grade. Channel 9 all the time? I don't watch anything. Ever. You have to watch the, tonight on the block, the greatest scandal ever. You know they're doing it for the news now on Channel 9. Nine news. <laughs> Murder <laughs> and death abroad. Well, I see that, attention you know that spans. That- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and everything comes down with a stamp, like a boom, boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah. no, the mass, I just keep watching. The mass Singer, uh, I haven't watched it, but my daughter watched it. Well, that's and, the Phantom uh, of the Opera. Who else is a Masked well, they, Singer? Well, they have as a celebrity, quote, unquote, come on and um, sing something, and they're put in some stupid costume, and everyone has to guess who it is. The and elephant, man. The first night they had Gretel, <laughs> Gretel Colleen, who yeah. apparently passes for a celebrity, dressed as an octopus. And singing something, and everyone had to guess who the it was. The from Octopus. But one of the people, one of the people. What's going on? I'm one, can't follow this. One of I'm the, confused. I know you can't. Just work with me. One of the people trying to guess the identity of the celebrity was Lindsay Lowen, who would have had absolutely no idea who Critical Lane was anyway. Ah, oh, TV, it's dead. It what is do you mean dead. It's dead. There's Girls' Night at the Full Monty coming oh, up on yeah. Sunday night. Of course. Oh, I don't even. Women are taking their clothes off. Well, as I said... On as the, I yell, put it back on! As I said on... So, Gretel Colleen dresses an octopus. I'm going to try this one on, on this podcast yeah. as well. Um, so, I said the other day on the other podcast, I can't wait to get out of the country because I'm going overseas next Monday night. Uh, but the problem is I'll get to the, um, you know, the uh, uh, Dubrovnik... One of the places we're going, turn on the TV, and I'll see some Croatian celebrity dressed as an octopus. A squid. And I said, and then we, we're going to Crete, so we'll go to Crete. And I'll turn on the uh, the Greek TV and get uh, you. You'll get a celebrity dressed as an octopus, except the octopus will be on a skewer being barbecued. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so what's his show? Singing a the salad singer. As as invertebrate seafoods, sea sea creatures. No, the uh, so they have to be. No, the costume could be anything. It could be. Oh, a, it I could be a spider. In fact, I think there was a spider. spider. A spider. Yeah. Can we get on with it? So it's got to be an eight. You've got to dress as an eight-legged creature. No, you don't have to. But so why are they all octopuses and spiders? Well, they're not. I just made one up. It could be um, uh, a cupboard. Cupboards don't have eight legs. Oh, they actually they can if they're on little. Maybe it's a big table. They have eight legs. All right. Um, what, a else pool do you, table. what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Media Watch was uh, <laughs> footy show. Oh, they had the footy show grand final edition. How'd that go? Did, you, did you watch it? I, a bit. What? A bit. Okay, well, tell us about what you watched, because I, I, I'm putting my hand up here. I didn't watch it. Rebecca Madden had laryngitis. I knew, I saw that. Um, Even though I didn't watch it, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Was it a fundraiser? I don't know. What was? Why was it on? What was going on? I don't know. Money why grab? Because Eddie still thinks it's 1995. Is yeah. that why it was on? Yeah. Um, Trevor was okay. So it definitely was 1995. No, Trevor was good. Look, the problem with this program is you can't you can't honestly expect people to embrace the end of season extravaganza for a show that got cut during the year. It's crazy. Why are you pausing? I don't know. I'm just waiting for you to say I'm something saying, else. I'm saying, how could you celebrate? Wasn't and, it the grand final show was the big season finale for the footy show? Come yeah, and celebrate. Join yeah. us at the after party. Like I said, I, I didn't watch it, but I was on. I had Twitter on, so I was, they were tweeting stuff, and I was seeing people tweeting stuff. So they did the player review thing again. Like, didn't that? Am I? 
going mad here. Like the player review, players dressing up in drag and singing songs and stuff. Like, wasn't that sort of big twenty five years ago? Well, why are we still assuming that's going to appeal to a mass audience was, I've now? I never thought it was great, to be honest. What, but, the, the play review? Yeah. yeah, but, you know, we've got Mad Mondays and Wacky Wednesdays and, you know, people were asking, wanting to know what people were wearing on these events. So maybe they like to see footballers dressing up. And, look, we are no longer part of... We're part of the Commonwealth, but we're not no longer sort of look to England as the mother country as we did in the past. Mm-hmm. But there are still strong ties to England, are there not? No. Oh, I thought there were <clears> some. <throat> Why? Oh, because British love dressing up as women. Oh, yeah. They yeah. will take any oh, opportunity. So does so the NRL footy show. Oh, but the British, <laughs> even if you watch the cricket, there's eight nuns sitting yeah, over yeah. there, 15 Margaret Thatchers. Yeah, it's all that sexual repression, yeah, no it, doubt. It's, they just love getting into women's gear. No, that's true. But on a broader, uh, so of what you watched, yeah. uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs, two thumbs in my ear. Right. And hands over my eyes. So terrible? I have one thumb on the remote control. I'm not just talking about the review. I'm talking about the whole The whole thing show. just yeah. felt absolutely... Laboured? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I felt that they couldn't wait for it to be finished and never do it again. Right. So why do they do it? Money makes the world go round. And I saw another short clip I saw. They had James Raid on. James Raid on doing a medley of... Australian crawl songs. Yep. Did Eddie introduce James Rain as being from Men at Work? I don't know. I didn't uh, see that. I did hear that. Um, He's not from Men at Work. No, that's correct. He was from Australian crawl. Yeah. Um, but Colin th- Hayes from Australia. No, Colin <laughs> Hayes. From- Does Eddie still think it's 1995 and everyone and Channel 9 is this sort of powerful media? Company that everyone is yeah he's crazy doesn't he know that actually rules the world there hasn't he read the papers <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um yeah right <laughs> things are tough out there aren't they okay so uh, there's the grand final footy show now you you want to yeah because this is our last uh, preview um, footyology media. for the season uh, last matey watch yes mm. it is. Um, you wanted to sort of cover off on a few trends in uh, f- um, media coverage of football. Yes, I do. Well, go ahead. The re-emergence, the rise and the competitive nature of the young newsbreaker. Yes. They're everywhere. There's yes. Tom Brown, Tom Morris, yep. various Sams that I don't even know all their surnames. Uh, McClure. Edmund. Well, Sam Edmonds not that young. He's been around a long time. Well, whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, there's there are others. There's oh, who are some of the others? <laughs> there, there are others. I'm not sure there are. Oh, yes, there are. There's uh, on TV. Are you talking about no, AFL dot com dot au. Oh yeah. Um, oh, Mark Mc, Mc, Mitch Cleary. And Mitch Cleary. Yeah, Mark Mark. Who was the one that did the... Um, the podcast? No, the story about um, your boy, Fantasia. Yeah, that's him, Mark yeah, what's McGowan, is it? Mc- yeah, Mark McGowan. McGowan. Yeah. So there's a lot out there. Yeah. You know, trying to break stories. Yep, and your observation of that is? Um, it's sort of a return, you know, back to the olden days, I think. Uh, maybe the... Of ambulance chasing. Yeah, maybe the um, the ringmaster... 
who has a history of such, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, Colin, Craig, Colin, Craig Hutchison started his um, football journey famously as a foot-in-the-door reporter. Mm. And maybe there's a bit of a clamber to... I do think he's breeding them. No, I don't think he's <laughs> breeding them. I think that... I think that um, these young men are clambering to get his attention because certainly some of them have found, you know, warmth in his bosom. (laughs) That's the term, isn't it? Suck all? I know, it's just not a visual image you really want to conjure. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it would be a considerable bosom. (laughs) Um, we are These really days. making sure that we are nowhere near the teat, are we? <laughs> no, I think it's safe to say we're, we're nowhere near the teat. Yeah, we're, we're, we're many bosoms <coughs> away. We, we were rejected from the teat. <laughs> we're not sucking at the teat. We have not suckled for ages. <laughs> I know. I know. We've been bottle fed instead. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned a couple of... No, I'm just not going to get that image out of my head all day. We've we got baby four. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Lucky to get that. Yeah, well, we can't get that because you're going to Chemist Warehouse. It's sold out. It's always sold out uh, without culturally stereotyping certain groups. Um, So Tom Brown won a media award for his uh, breaking of the Jaden Stevenson. Which was a true story. Yeah. It was good. (laughs) You sound surprised. (laughs) Which which (laughs) fell under his, one of his categories, which is fact. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've got to say, I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm going to say it straight up. Yeah, go say it. I, I can't allude to something and then have Tom Brown get all pissy. That story was an excellent breaking story. Yeah, it was. Jay, it was. Well, how about the night he came on after I think St Kilda beat Essendon early in the season and suggested that John Worsfold, a number of influential people at Essendon, including uh, committee members, I think he alluded to. We're very impressed by James Hurd's performance on radio. Tonight. <laughs> yes. And John Worsfold, uh, John, there's a movement that uh, pushing for the return of James Hurd at the expense of John Worsfold. Yeah, that was rubbish. That was a good one, wasn't it? Can I, I'm just going to put in a word for uh, young Tom Morris here, actually. Yes. I, I'm, a, I'm a big... <laughs> young Tom Morris, the yeah. guy that won two British Opens in 18... <laughs> yeah. You know that there were Tom, a young Tom Morris. I have heard the, the reference Open. to young Tom Morris. Yes. Um, well, this young Tom Morris. Uh, no, I'm a rat for Tom. I, I reckon he's he's pretty good. And some people mistakenly sort of look at his news, breaking news stuff, and think. And he does the news segment on on the couch, mm-hmm. and people think, oh yeah, well he's another one of them. I think he's a bit um, better than that because I, he he did a few things, wrote a few things during the season for the Fox uh, Sports website which were sort of background pieces to news stories that were happening and I thought the ones I read anyway were were very well informed and and well written and showed a fair bit of research and and digging around had been done on his part so um you know like I, I think I think he's pretty good performer Tom I'm a I'm a rap for him uh, uh, we should mention apart from this what's the collective for young adolescent males uh, a Pricks, um, a um, gang, a, an, out, an acne outbreak of yeah, uh, well, yeah, a young. Apart from this gang of young, um, ambitious newsbreakers, there's still Damien Barrett and 
Mark Robinson and yep. Caroline Wilson all... No, not Caroline Wilson. I mean, Caroline Wilson isn't part of the day-to-day. No, but if there's a story from Clubland... Well, it depends if she's doing... Um, if she's a book club or if she's doing her podcast with Corey Perkin about, you know, don't shoot the quiche or whatever it's called. Don't shoot the messenger, it's called. Don't shoot the quiche. No, I just made that up. So... I'm saying that this Corey and Caro talking about that time they had to drive over the Westgate Bridge to uh, to uh, Yarraville, and how they survived. That those young men, clambering for new stories, didn't have a lot to feed on. I don't think there were a lot of stories to break this year. Um, now, well, bits and pieces, only bits and pieces. Yeah, well, hang on. You had five coaches removed during the year, so there was some fairly dramatic news at times. Yeah, but uh, did we were any of these broken? You know. Sensationally, uh, well, the well, uh, Robbo got on to the Brad Scott one actually, and it, he won a media award for that. Sure. So, okay. um, he yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. I, mean. I think what they they love the salacious, you know, the real, the one that gets to the front of the newspaper, and there was none of that. I'm, I'm I must admit, just to what I said before, I'm I'm more impressed as a consumer these days by a good background piece to a big news event that sort of says, okay, well. You know, this guy rang this guy, and then you know it was the morning after that twelve goal defeat. The board met at someone's place, and they decided. You know what I mean? Like, yep, and, yep. and I think Tom Morris uh, does do that well. I'll say, uh, I'm not saying that they don't do their job well. If you were a young reporter <laughs> looking to break stories, wouldn't you rather be covering the NRL, where there is still plenty of grist for the mill and bad behaviour and pokies before a final type stories? Yeah, probably. Um, We're too well behaved now, the AFL boys. Yeah. That was never a, 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 a appeal for me, never a motivator. I've I've got to say, uh, I've been privy to stories. I'm privy to a story that we've talked about today that I could give expand details on that would be quite jaw-dropping, but and, I won't do it. And why is that? Because if I'm told something in confidence, then I will oh, remain yeah. in confidence, and this was told to me in confidence. Yeah. And furthermore... I don't would never wish to, and I mean this, and I can I can back it up through my career covering sport. I would hate to want to to actually further my own career by putting a a black mark on somebody else's. That's a terrible way to get ahead, mm. isn't it? But don't I'm not saying you're doing this, but some people might infer from you saying that that these young guys we're talking about do break confidences. And I, I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying no. they break confidences. And people, let me tell you, like people who say that that happens a lot, it doesn't happen a lot because if you do that, you last about five seconds. I mean, part of the way you you build uh, good contacts is by. Um, Respecting confidences and and uh, being trustworthy, so you know you don't last too long if you don't operate like that. No. I think it's enough, Matty. Watch for this week. I think finally it's time we talked about the grand final on Footyology previews with Punch. All right, let's talk about the big one. Hang on, what? I've been dreading this moment. What's that? Because I knew the day would come when it's not previews with Punch, but preview. With punch. <laughs> yeah, okay. We, Unless we're doing the tech cup. We, oh, that no, grand final's already been played, no, hasn't there, it? There are no more. Yeah, there's no nothing beforehand. Um, but uh, fair to say that this is a grand final matchup probably most people wouldn't have envisaged, I think, at the start of the year. Fair to say? Yes. I think Richmond was in most people's reckoning. 
Yep. GWS in no ones for a grand final berth. But, but even, well, I didn't even, I left GWS out of my eight. So how silly am I? But uh, even mid-season, I mean, Richmond dropped as low as ninth on the ladder before mm. the bye when they were most sort of beset by injuries. They really looked a forlorn hope. I, I remember that there was a point where I did the math and it was highly unlikely that they could make the top four. Yeah, and you, I reckon you said several times definitively they can't win the flag. Yes, yeah. Um, but they have rattled off 11 consecutive wins. Uh, second best streak in, in Richmond's history, as a matter of fact. GWS, uh, I mean, their story is pretty amazing in that it was only, what, the third and second last home and away games of the year that they were held goalless for an entire half, two weeks in a row. After that second loss to the um, Bull, Bulldogs, which yep. was, they were emulsified, I just felt, and I think a lot of people felt, that they were a dead duck in the eighth, that people wanted to see the Bulldogs in the eighth mm. as a competitive unit that could cause a bit of mayhem, but that GWS were there just making up the numbers. I certainly felt that. So what what's turned it around for them, do we think? It's Momentum is important in football but it can be created in and of the finals itself. So if you can, obviously, you're playing a knockout final. If you're going to make it impressive, you need to win that first final. But we've seen since the advent of the bye, whether it's coincidental or that plays a role in it, that there's actually a break in the season, a a moment to, not a moment, a week to reassess, to regroup, and take on the finals as almost... uh, start of a new competition, I think that week off mentally allows teams to start afresh and build their own momentum. No doubt. I mean, their last home and away game, they, they beat up on the Gold Coast. but Irrelevant. No, almost yeah, irrelevant. it was. And so you looked at that and you thought, well, that, that's meaningless. But yeah, the, the pre-finals buy for them. And again, I'll get back to that analogy with the Western Bulldogs in 2016. Um, less this time in terms of getting players back. I think the other thing that has really turned things around for them is their mindset. You know, they have become this super... They've sort of gone back to early days when they were still losing a lot more than they won. You know, they were always an aggressive team, weren't they? Um, And they've sort of upped the ante on that, I think. You know, unsociable football sort of thing. Look, they're very strong at stoppages. So they like to bring the game to a halt and use that very talented... And now hard-bodied, big-bodied midfield. Because it is a big-bodied midfield with Hopper and Taranto. Green goes in there. They like the game stopping and starting because generally it's on their own terms. They've also got a a really good balance with the outside game too. I mean, Kelly and and Whitfield, you know, silky, uh, good, good runners and silky users of the footy. And as last week pointed out, a spearhead is vital. Now, these teams have a spearhead. Richmond, possibly too. GWS with Finlayson, uh, also really too. They've so, got somebody to kick the ball to. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and Richmond's uh, re-emergence, I guess, mainly on the back of getting injured players back, but also that chemistry between Rewalt and Lynch, which I think improved by the week, and Lynch really sort of hit a, uh, tapped into a, a real seam of great form, didn't he? I found it very funny this week that I think Jack Rewalt might have even come out in response to some media and said that, you know, he's 
expecting to hit top form in the finals, in the grand final. A suggestion that he might be off a little bit. Well, anybody that saw that spectacular mid-air tap to Dustin Martin in the preliminary final mm. would not consider him to be out of sorts at all. No, he's, he's played a very selfless role, hasn't he? And um, it's certainly worked for the team's advantage. Just on the two teams, sort of, as they hit the game in a broader sense. So, on one hand, you've got Richmond, the best team of the last three years. Mm-hmm. In many people's estimation, it would be a... Would, it would be a apt return for the three seasons to have two premierships. Yep, but a, a disappointment if they were to lose. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I've said this this week already in another forum. I think it's it's a it's obviously a critical game. But yeah, it, it defines an era for them. Really, there's no doubt in my mind. If they emerge from this three years with only one flag, it's an underachievement. Um, and it happens, you know, it happened to Essendon in yes, between 99 and 01. So um, there's some pressure there. There's some heat coming from the knowledge that they have to win this to make good on their form over the last three years. From GWS's perspective, look, there's you're going to be hunted down for a spot in a grand final by good teams, aren't you? Mm. And GWS would be no guarantee to make it next year. No. My, my worry with them this week is that they've already played their grand final. That for a team that's never made the grand final, mm. to have had two weeks where there were such um, not unlikely victories, but hard fought and in the end sort of... Um, they almost stacked victory two weeks in a row in different ways. Yeah, and the history of sides doing this that sort of have a, you know, a... a uh, against the odds sort of run to the grand final is that it comes a cropper on grand final day. Now, the Bulldogs, obviously, the are the exception. Yeah. But think about all the others. And I'm trying to... They all, the ones that come into my head tend to be older examples. One of the more recent ones, I think, of <laughs> more recent, it's 25 years ago, but Geelong in 94, yes. you know, beat Footscray after the siren, um, beat Carlton against the odds with players out beat North Melbourne after the siren in the preliminary and then got absolutely smashed on grand final day by West Coast. Well, how about the one that you've obviously erased from your memory bank? Essendon in 93? No, 99. Oh, with Carlton? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they got... <laughs> Carlton finished sixth and lost their first final by 12 goals. Yeah, but to win that preliminary yeah, final... Yeah, Oh, that was, that definitely was their grand final. I, I was at... Um, Actually, I was at the North Melbourne Grand Final dinner that year. But, yeah, the, I remember people telling me at the Carlton Grand Final dinner that year, they were the atmosphere was you know like they'd won because they were so happy just to have beaten Essendon and yeah, right. beat him a Grand Final. Now, uh, these sides have met twice this year, so uh, that doesn't always happen those days. But round three, great wind of a Giants at Giants Stadium. Uh, what was it? 1911-125, beat Richmond 10-16, 76. And you talked about key forwards. Well, Jeremy Cameron kicked seven and Jeremy Finlayson kicked five, 12 between them. And the other big um, uh, pointer that day was the tagging job that Matt DeBoer did on Dusty Martin, who got very agitated and ended up getting reported for the Tigers. So they were missing players already at that stage, but... Um, that was a great performance by the Giants, who the next week then beat Geelong down at Geelong. Reasonably high-scoring game. Um, I don't think we're going to get a repeat of that, are we? Probably not. Richmond, first and foremost, 
in their 2017 Premiership, they they strangled teams in the first half. Generally, in the three games that they won, they weren't that far ahead necessarily at half time, but mm. they had ground the opposition to a halt, preserved Dustin Martin for a more forward role in the second half, and you get a sense, even though they were not able to keep a lid on Geelong as they would have liked, that this method of strangulation is going to be their preferred way of winning a grand final again. Yeah, well, the the second meeting between the clubs this year is probably the better pointer to what we might expect, and I'm not talking about the result, more the way the game was played. Richmond won this one by, uh, round 17, Richmond won this one by uh, 27 points, 13-16-94, beat GWS 9-13-67. It was the day the Giants lost Cornelio, um, but it was close, uh, the closest the Tigers got to a full-strength side to that point of a season. So that was pretty telling as well. And they started well. I think the Giants only kicked two behinds in, in the first quarter. They kicked four goals. Conditions were fairly testing, I think, and that sort of set up the win. So that, to me, uh, is a pointer in terms of, for the Giants to be any chance, I think they've got to be within touching distance at half time. Does the one final that they've played at the MCG, does that sort of um, resonate at all with you? Because at that point, Giants the, had... From a gi- the Giants, you mean? So from both teams' oh, perspective. Oh, this... Well, they played in 2007. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, the preliminary final, Correct. yeah. So in that game, the Giants really had, if you have a look at it on paper, they had one of their great teams in. You know, they they had stars, more stars than they have now, mm. albeit younger. Richmond had not quite established themselves because they hadn't won that flag yet as the powerhouse that they are now. Mm. And this was a day that I think GWS became cast a little bit as um, not quite up to the pointy end of the season football and Richmond put themselves fairly in the frame with a win the week after to be the best team currently going around. So it was an important game. Yeah, it was a close... That they, ha- that they handled well. It, yeah, they did. It, it was a closer game than people uh, remember it as. I mean, uh, Dylan Shield got crunched very early and that was a big loss to the Giants and they... They were uh, very much in the hunt, you know, even at three-quarter time, but uh, the Tigers ran over the top of them. And interestingly, there was a game, for me, this was a very important game, just like the North Melbourne-Geelong game that precipitated a discussion about Chris Scott's future and he was hanging by a thread when they played, I think, Richmond at Etihad Stadium and annihilated them, and that was the start of the great Geelong era Mm. that has barely ever ended. Mm. It was their calamitous, Richmond's calamitous, embarrassing performance at the end of 2016 against the Giants. That really was a moment where the club had to decide whether it's Damien Hardwick's fault or whether they eventually went down the road they did and gave him a new panel of assistant coaches to freshen the place up. But that game really was... Wasn't you talking about the last game of the season? Wasn't it again? Against the Swans? They played a game against the Giants towards the end of the season. Oh, right. Where they got humiliated. Lost by over 100 points. And, you know, that was a, a time, I think, when Richmond were... I, I remember Kevin Bartlett commentated that game and was... Simply said, this can't go on. This is an embarrassment and it has to change. They made a brave move. They kept the coach. Yeah. And what turned out to be a genius move... 
change the people around him. So there's some important history between the two clubs. Well, let's, let's get nailed down on some tin tacks here. So in terms of uh, stats, the, one very interesting contra- uh, contrast here is stoppages. Now, statistically, Richmond are the worst clearance side in the competition. Um, and people would look at that and think, how can that be the case? They're so good. Well, they are a side that tend to uh, use their defence to win the ball back. So they're happy to, I wouldn't say happy to, but they're prepared to concede the stoppage and then intercept the ball at half-back and attack from there. And they set up very well off that, half-back. I think their philosophy is that possessions around stoppages are uncontrolled possessions. They're, they're rushed possessions. <clears throat> and it's better to get a controlled possession, the first possession after a stoppage, than actually be the first possession at a stoppage. Well, that is the sexy stat of 2009 has become uh, post-clearance contested possession. Correct. Um, so, But the contrast here is interesting because the Giants are statistically the best clearance side in the competition and they're also the best... Uh, scoring from stoppage side in the competition, and they uh, gave very good example of that in the preliminary final win against Collingwood. Which is why they would prefer a game, not yeah, slowed down. They, they would like the when Richmond get moving with that fast handball and sort of electric foot speed that some of their players streaming out of defence have. You're gone. Mm. You're gone. They, you've got Lynch up there to kick to, Rewalt, and if it hits the ground, you've got some very good ground players. So they would love this game, first of all, to be played in inclement weather again. I don't think we've got that on the radar. No, it's supposed to be mainly fine. Then what they would like to do is have the game... The stoppages around the boundary is not what they're after, by the way. Mm. That's more what Richmond are looking to do to control the scoring. They would like to get stoppages in their forward 50, take opportunities. If they Basically what they need to do is keep the ball in their forward line as long as possible. It, it, I think it all stems from their forward line retaining possession or at least winning the stoppage and preventing Richmond's run off the half-back line, which is where it all starts. Now, another enticing angle in this matchup is, and we mentioned key forwards, so uh, Richmond, obviously, Rewalt and Lynch, uh, the Giants with Cameron and Finlayson, but two very, very good defences as well. Um, the Giants uh, with uh, Davis, Haynes, Taylor, who was terrific last week, even Heath Shaw is not a big player, but they're all good interceptors. Ditto Richmond with Grimes, Grimes. Asbury, uh, Vloston, uh, Hawley providing the run. So at either end of the ground, the battle between defence and attack is going to be pivotal, isn't it? This game could be over in the first five minutes. If Phil Davis is playing, if this patch-up job, which it is, the guy nicked a calf, it appeared. I mean, that is not a one-week situation. Mm. They're trying to turn it into an ankle, but it wasn't. If he's not able to be at 100% because of a recurrence of that injury early in the game, they are in huge trouble. Mm. That trouble was minimised against Collingwood because it was raining and Collingwood don't have any key forwards other than Majacek who was struggled anyhow. You can't have Phil Davis less than 100% against Lynch and Rewald, can no, you? No, that's true. There's definitely an element of risk about that. Yeah. I think another... Um intriguing aspect to this is the run um you know and and we both these sides are good sort of in close and tight and they like it hard and tough and richmond belt the ball forward but both sides have got very good run they just they have it perhaps in different 
places in the ground. So for the Giants, it tends to come from halfback midfield. So Zach Williams, uh, very underrated still, but the running power he provides with them. Whitfield we know about. Kelly is another one. So if the Giants are going to uh, sort of get this the game on the outside, look for those guys around the wings, I think, from halfback and through the wings to provide a lot of drive there. Richmond, quick too, but I tend to associate Richmond's pace more with the smaller forwards and in that sort of forward half of the ground where they're very good at just belting the ball forward, getting the key players to bring the ball to ground if they can't mark it, and then the the crummers, if you like, um, tidy up. And one guy who I think actually could have a bigger impact on this game than a lot of people would think is Shy Bolton. He's a real exciting player, and I just can't help wondering if he's made to do something special on the grand final stage. He and Rioli are, Dan Rioli are certainly made for the highlight mm. and for the for the moments that break the game open. Yeah, Rioli's got a um, his record in finals is pretty good. Yeah, but even against Geelong, he was in and out of the game. I mean, you felt comfortable when they were in front that he was. Capable of winning them the game or putting the sealer on the game, but when they were behind and you looked around and said, "Where can they lift?" He's the man as well. So his great skill, his great um, asset is, yes, he could kick a freaky goal, he could rove brilliantly, but he could always provide that very dangerous forward line pressure because he's such a quick close down on a defender. And implied pressure in a grand final is fantastic. You know, if these guys like Williams and Haynes are rushing their disposals out of the back line because Rioli's on them, then he's done his job well, hasn't he? Yep. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think this game could be played out like that 2017 preliminary final, i.e. I have a feeling the Giants will be able to stay close or nip at their heels enough for about a half. I think Richmond might roll over the top of them in the second half. How do you see it unfolding? Well, I believe Richmond hold the trump cards in this game the trump cards being the more the forward line that i think is more dangerous rewalt rewalt i'm not saying he's ready to explode because i think he's done things already but he's a, a a double threat with link that is very powerful and because richmond have such a good backup in asprey for grimes cameron might find it tough mm. tougher the midfield they're both Good midfields. No, great midfields. Richmond has the best midfielder in Martin. And then, really, GWS might... Uh, Martin and Prestia had, the, had that act. Prestia has had an incredible Fantastic uh, season. season and, and a great final series. So. And GWS have their <clears throat> responses well placed. Well, actually, just on that, yeah, we probably, uh, we've been remiss not to mention this. So, uh, do we think it's a... It's a gimme that Matt DeBoer picks up Martin because there is a school of thought that he might could be... Go to Preston. He, could, he could go to Preston. You've got to realise they've got three taggers in that team at least. Kennedy has been playing a one-on-one role. Yep. And Sam Reid plays yeah. often a one-on-one role. And they use other players. You know, Brent Daniels yep. picks up a, a dangerous backman. They, they've Leon Cameron has very much, especially during the finals played face-off with, with key players for the opposition. So expect Hawley to have company. Yeah. Definitely. Martin, I don't think, will be tagged. Or if he is, I think it's the wrong choice. Because Prestia is proving to be a link, even in scoring chains, a vital 
part of many of the scoring opportunities and scores for Richmond. Dustin Martin, of course, has to be played on, but I think if you can close down Prestia, you're closer to winning the game than DeBoer getting in Martin's face. Now, it's a good point about the stoppers. They do. The Giants have a flexibility, I think, that's been undersold as well. And again, that's a, a tribute to the way that they've been able to make this side. I mean, everyone goes on about the Ferrari, but they're the Ferrari with a bull bar on it now, isn't well, it? Well, he calls it the Ute, Leon Cameron. He says, Ferrari's long gone. It's a Ute. Yeah. My, he said, but my word. Decent Ute. He said, but my word, this Ute is an honest vehicle. Yeah. No, the interior's pretty. They've got the... Um, They've got some nice. They've got the uh, uh, pure um, sheep wool seat covers. They've got the special, <laughs> the limited um, outback outback special edition. They've got the steering wheel cover, the padded yeah, leather yeah. steering. They've got all the extras. All my car accessories, I'm thinking straight out of Auto Gear mid 1970s. I don't know what contemporary good accessories. They've got, they've got the bumper like. stickers like the Northern Territory horns. Yeah. Like buffalo. Uh, horns. What about if the uh, if the vans rocking? Don't bother knocking. Have they got that one? Well, yeah, Shane Mumford might be falling on that's someone. More a, that's more a um, Sandman. A Sandman, yeah, of course. So, back to the game. All right, these, let's talk about some... I'd like to talk... So, I will give my tip. Uh, my tip is Richmond. Yeah, I'd right? like you to give the tip and margin and wrap it up, actually. So Really? Well, yeah. a, because we haven't really discussed um, possible Edens or which way. Now, that might be a moot point for many listeners who know already, but it's interesting to know what is being considered. A bit of a forgotten man at Richmond is Camden McIntosh. Yes. Yeah, no, good point. Um, so it w- would he be... So Jack Graham, we know, is I out. I think they'd play McIntosh because he does have a run with defensive side of his game that Jack Graham is sometimes called upon to produce. Yeah. Well, they do. They throw Graham into the midfield, so he probably hasn't got that straight. I mean, if he's playing midfield, it would be more be, a wing. He lines up on a wing a bit. But I, I don't mind McIntosh. I reckon he's a pretty handy player. So is he your most likely candidate to come in, well, do you what think? are the other ones? Ross? And uh, then somewhere down Jack the Ross. Well, there's, there, Marlon. Marlon Pickett would be a huge... Just on that, too. I mean, if Marlon Pickett was to make his debut in a grand final... He would become only the sixth player ever to do so. And the last, the five that have done so, were all in the first half of the uh, 20th century. The last was Keith Batchelor, who debuted for Collingwood in the 1952 grand final. I'm going to tell you one thing. If he plays and Richmond wins, he won't go rabbit shooting over the summer. Do you know what? I'd hate to break this to you because I, I did some research on this. He didn't go rabbit shooting? He did, but it was about four years later. And we're talking oh, about no. Billy Jones. So Billy Jones played his one and only game for Richmond in the 1920 grand final, played in a premiership and never played again. And the urban myth is that he went rabbit shooting and blew his foot off accidentally. Yeah. Well, he didn't play for Richmond again, but the rabbit shooting incident, and this is courtesy of uh, Swamp on Twitter, who is a, um, a media statistician of some repute. Um, the rabbit shooting incident was about four years later, apparently. So I don't know why he never played again, but it wasn't because he blew his toes off. And for those Italian listeners, of course, there's no chance for anybody to go shooting rabbits on Saturday afternoon because Canilio, Italian for rabbit, is not playing. <laughs> Very good. So uh, what, how about the two unlucky guys at GWS? Okay, I think they'll, I think one is definitely Hill. Um, yeah. So I think... Uh, He's already telegraphed that a bit, the coach. Yeah, so Whit- Whitfield comes in for Hill or Green comes in for Hill. Um, the other one is the problematic one. I suspect... Lockie Keefe did a, a really good job in the preliminary final and I think they need... 
they need some they need so adequate support for Shane Mumford in the ruck and they need another defensive fullback option if one of Lynch or Rewalt gets out of control. So I suspect it might be Tom Watson that loses his spot. That's an interesting call, but his kicking was almost culpable in the last quarter against Collingwood, some of the decisions he made. Do Richmond have to play Ivan Soldo? He didn't do a lot in the preliminary final, and he's a backup when there's ruck depth in the opposition, but there's no ruck depth really. No, it's a good point. It hasn't really been – no one's really talked about that, but yeah, I no. Don't think, I think – he sort of becomes surplus to needs a bit. Well, selection will be revealed tonight, so we'll know that soon enough. Yes. Okay, I want a tip, a margin, and a Norm Smith medalist from you. Okie McDokie. My tip is Richmond. Yep. My margin is unfortunately a, a, an ode to a game that might not ever hit the heights, 31 points. Yep. And my best player on the ground, I remember t- in the grand final that they won, I went for Hawley, and I thought he was best on ground, mm. which means it's bloody hard not to, to go past Dustin Martin, because they just, but I'll go for I'll, I'll go for a bit of value. I actually think Rewalt is in good touch, and I think if he does a fair bit, there'll be a sentimental pull towards giving it towards to him, because he's much loved. I'm going for the selfless Rewalt. Okay. Uh, my tip is Richmond. My margin is 40 points. And you might is, think... Is that, is that also a suggestion that the game will never get to a, a, an exciting stage? Or, or do you have it a late blitz by Richmond? Yeah, I've got a second half. No, okay. not even a blitz. Just second half gradually. So, I, could I, be, so you've got a good first half for us. Yeah, I think it might be similar to the 2017 grand final. Um, in which Richmond, yeah, gradually got on top and okay. then rolled over them on the yep. scoreboard in the second half. So 40 points, which doesn't sound great, but it still might not be a bad spectacle. And Norm Smith medal, I am going for Basha Hooley. And uh, maybe that's on the basis. Maybe it's the, uh, is it the? Yes, no, the Paul Chapman theory. And that is, I always thought that Paul Chapman probably should have won the 2007 Norm Smith medal rather than Stevie J. Oh, that's why they gave him 2009. No, well, he, he played, he kicked three, including the match winner. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, pretty good claim, sorry to remind <laughs> you. But, um, yeah, that's a really good point, that he was a deserved winner previously. If he yeah. gets close, that could tip it over. I'd like to throw Edwards in the mix. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's a super player. Maybe not going full rat's pace, but certainly not in poor form, so he might be a bit of value as well. Do you ever speculate on first goal? Nah. I no. Had, okay, I, go on. Tip I on. had a horror story. I told tell, you about that. Really that stupid Liam Shields when, you know, when Hawthorne beat Sydney in the grand final. In 2014. Yeah. yeah. He had the first shot of goal. I got 25 to 1. And he missed. I was right behind it. I took my daughter to the game. It was I swear it was going straight through, and there was just this horrible late swing, and it hit the post. Oh, really? And I was up screaming and cheering <laughs> when it was going through, and, and these Hawthorne supporters go, don't worry, don't worry, we'll, we'll get back on track. <laughs> I'll give them a big finger up. Don't back for Hawthorne. All right, give us the first goal then. So a bit of value in the first goal as well. I'm going to go for Brent Daniels. All right, a uh, bit of value in my first goal. I'm going for Shy Bolton. Hey, that's good. <laughs> yeah, Shy Bolton's a good tip. All right, there's our grand final preview. Let's wrap things up. On Footyology, the final word. All right, some details on our grand, grand final competition. Now, in case you missed our um, 
podcast from last Sunday, we have got a fantastic prize to give away for the grand final. And it is from Argon, who have been uh, sponsoring us all year with their magnificent gym towels, 100% organic cotton. Well, their grand final prize is this, a 300 thread count full bedding set. And uh, I'm, not, I counted it. I'm not a specialist in thread counts, but I'm told that is pretty good. They are 100% fair trade certified organic cotton, winners of two Australian Enterprise Awards. This uh, bed set includes one fitted sheet, one flat sheet, a pair of pillowcases and one doona or duvet cover. The value for king size bed is $585 and for a queen size bed $505. So there you go, $500 plus of bedding is yours if you can complete this task. Every grand final has its moment cast in extant memory and immortality. That sounds like one of those Channel 9 news things. It was very staccato. Yes. This grand final, you can be the one. What you need to do is put yourself behind the microphone, either for a humorous little aside or a memorable moment that you think might happen or even might not happen. But it's that famous line. It is the Jezelenko, you beauty. Do the Hutto one. Um, 2006. Who'd have thought the sequel would be as good as the original? Of course, he was talking about... West Coast and Sydney or... Uh, Pirates, of, Pirate, Pirates of the Caribbean. Or, of course, uh, 2005. Actually, it doesn't sound as grand as without the pictures, but Stephen Quartermain. Leo Barry, you, you star. star. What will be your you? You are the commentator, and you have the microphone for one line that you think will come out of this year's grand final that will be remembered forever. Might be redemption for Toby Green. Who knows? There's so many subplots, and I can tell you this: the beautiful bedding, like 300 thread count cotton, is so nice in summer because nothing better than the cool quality sheets that you slip into as compared to the sweaty crappy ones that I do in your in your uh, newly Same. built Nick Spartel's house yes. whilst munching on a bedtime Andrew's hamburger oh thank goodness you said on a bedtime <laughs> Andrew's hamburger which uh, I'm not allowed to eat in bed and no I've, no I've, you, I'm not allowed to no no yeah I don't like eating in bed either you get and I, I am a stickler when my wife says don't do it I don't do it. I tell you what, I've got. I've got to stop listening to my iPod in bed. It's ridiculous. I just what keep, do you listen to? Oh, it's ridiculous. I just, you know, you know what I listen to: loud, head banging stuff, and then I fall asleep, and then every hour I sort of wake up with. And because it's, I, I have Spotify on. After the playlist finishes, it just starts choosing things randomly, and it'll be songs I've never even heard. Yeah, I do Google. You know, when you ask Google, okay, Google, mm. in the shower. Do you know what five songs I play? You'll like this. Okay, go on. Rage Against the Machine. Which one? You know, the... Um, Killing, Killing the, the Name of. Yeah. I play Prodigy. Uh, Firestarter. No. Um, Smack My... Oh, yeah, no. The politically incorrect one, yep. Bitch Up. Yep. It's just the name of the song. I play um, Black and White Radio, which we've played before, by British India. Oh, yeah, yeah. I play I Think You Freaky by Di Atwood. South African duo. Okay. 
and I play three or four Ramstein songs. At which point, <laughs> my wife comes in and said, "Are you completely insane?" Because I keep saying louder, louder, because I can't hear it through the shower. <laughs> but apparently, it's wafting out in the street, and we've got a quite a Jewish neighbourhood, <laughs> and I'm playing. You know, German thrash music, seriously, and there are religious <laughs> Jews walking past, now avoiding it, our house because it sounds like I'm holding rallies. Yeah, and probably just as well you're not playing Firestarter after that either. Uh, quite right. So, I I like it hard and heavy in the shower. Okay, that's good. No, no um, is that okay? No, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, we're not set up with that Google thing. Anyway. Um, it's so annoying. Just quickly on it. So, you say, okay, Google. Play Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine. Mm. Sure. Playing Spotify, Killing Heidi, The Name Game. Oh, it does that, doesn't it? And then I, I try and be polite and more enunciate better. Yeah. No. Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine. Killing Heidi. And then I go and say something like, go F yourself, Google. And you know what Google says? Uh, no need to say that. Oh, does it? Yeah, you don't need to say that. I thought that. you were going to, the punchline there was going to be it, it plays the it dead no, Kennedys or if something. If you swear at it, it says no. I'm also going to be no a smartass here and say, hopefully it would come and say, no, the song is actually titled Killing in the Name, yeah. not Killing in well, the Name Well, it does say, it corrects you. Killing in, playing Killing in the Name <laughs> by Rage Against the Machine. All right, we uh, are not playing Killing in the Name to finish off because but I we, think we've already we do done have that. Big news. Uh, we have some news. Now, a few people asking um, uh, in various quarters uh, are we going to keep going post footy? Well, we've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news, is no, we're not. Yes, we are. <laughs> the, the bad news is, no, not immediately. I'm taking off overseas about five seconds after the grand final um, show is recorded. Back to Red China for a reunion of Communist Party no, members? No, I'm going to Crete. I'm going to Croatia. I'm going to Strasbourg. I'm going to the Black Forest. It's a beautiful holiday. What, what, what would your fellow worker members of the Working Party think of that? They'll be fine. Enough of those uh, political cliches. You um, should be going to a gulag somewhere. Yes, okay. Uh, but I, I shall return, as McCarthy said. Anyway, we're... MacArthur. Oh, yeah, McCarthy. That was... Uh, yeah, sorry. That was, again, communist... Yeah, yeah correct. Black, yeah, well, blacklisting you, in America you, in the 50s. You sowed the seed there. Um, but uh, we've had some discussions among the footyology executive team, and we've decided we are going to keep the podcast going. We'll do a once-weekly podcast post-season after a break of about five or six weeks. So uh, we're going to come up with some formats, and uh, you might want to you know, contact us and throw in a few suggestions yourself. We're prepared to consider that. And I think it'll still be called footyology, not yeah, cricketology. No, we call it footyology. I love ology. Yeah. I think it's a great way to present your product. Do you know that there's a show on Fox, on Fox, Tell or whatever it's called, Murderology. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we won't be committing any of them, but we could talk. They do about have a rant at the end of every. I do. <laughs> a homicidal rant. Um, all right. So hopefully uh, that is uh, good news. And uh, well, if you don't think it's good news, you won't be listening anyway. So get stuff. But um, if you do enjoy listening, uh, we are going to keep going over summer. All right, thanks to your company today. Have a great grand final, everyone. Good luck if you're a fan of either Richmond or GWS. If you're a fan of GWS, good luck getting ochre, steel, and white balloons. 
Charcoal. Charcoal, yeah. We'll give <laughs> some charcoal balloons. Yeah, yeah, it's not your not your everyday colour scheme. Uh, let's hope it's a great grand final. We will be back to review it in full detail on Sunday evening. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And of course we will reveal our grand final competition winner. Have a great grand final, everyone. And to finish us off today, well, we did make an oblique reference to the um, uh, the grand final episode of the footy show and the reappearance of uh, James Rain and that great band of the 70s and 80s Australian Crawl. And we did also make the odd reference to previous drug use. And uh, we decided to combine the two and we come up with this Oz classic by Australian Crawl. Australian Crawl. That's right. You sound like Australian Crawl in that you can't understand what they say. <laughs> the boys light up. We'll see you on Sunday. Say